As we continue in this series on the book of Acts, we've just read this section about the Ethiopian eunuch. That is one of my favorite parts of the book of Acts. I love this response. I love a lot of what is going on there. We'll get to that, but I want to make sure we understand the context in which Philip, one of the apostles, and this Ethiopian eunuch find themselves for this story. You see, last week we finished chapter 7 with the stoning of Stephen. A new disciple, uh, or new apostle, you know, just elected, just one of the seven put into practice, and by day's end was dead. Been stoned. Stoned because he proclaimed the word of God, that he used Jesus' name, that what he said was, it is by the name of Jesus that you are saved, not because you're a Jew. Not because you go to the temple, not because you offer sacrifices, but because Jesus paid it all. And because of that, here is Saul. We're we're told that those who received a blessing to stone Stephen to death, they took their cloak off. It, It was a way of saying, hey, I've got work to do. And they laid it at Saul's feet and Saul thereby saying, yes, I give my blessing to kill this man. This is what we find in the first century church. The church is persecuted. Chapter 8 begins this way. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. People did not want to hear about Jesus, he's the game changer. It's no different in our day. There are plenty of people that don't want to hear about Jesus. You bring Jesus into a conversation and like everything slows way down. It's almost as if you almost got to back up. Put your hands up. Well, I'm not trying to be offensive here. Sorry. You can say you're trying not to be offensive, but the name of Jesus is offensive. This is what the scripture says. Is that it is a stumbling block to those who don't believe. And so when we bring in Jesus, of course people are going, whoa, hold on there, my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, why do you got to impose it on me? And we think we live in days of persecution. I've read the blogs, I've seen the posts. Oh, we have a government that is against us, and these laws are against the ways of God, and oh, we are in such persecution. I have a friend who's a pastor in South Sudan. If you didn't hear the news reports this week, they're slaughtering Christians. ISIS is cutting off the heads of children in front of their parents before they take their life for simply uttering the name Jesus. Ruthlessly, with no trial, just simply coming into a village and gone. We're not persecuted. The day will come, I have no doubt, I have absolutely no doubt, the day will come when you will be taken to task, possibly to jail, possibly executed for your faith in Jesus Christ. I have no doubt that day will come. That's because the name of Jesus is offensive. 
The name of Jesus is the game changer. The name of Jesus is the name by which every knee will bow and every tongue confess. It is the name above all names. It is the only name that has power to do anything. That is the name by which your sins are forgiven. It is the name by which you are healed. It is the name by which relationships are restored. It is by the name of Jesus alone that you are reconciled to sons and daughters who have left home, that you are reconciled to moms and dads that have abandoned you. It is by that name and that name alone that relationships are restored. And in first century Palestine, the disciples are facing death. This is the context in which we find our reading this morning. This is how serious it has gotten. And the disciples, you would think, oh, they need to run and be scared. They need to hide. No. What do we hear? Philip preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed Christ there. <laughs> and when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Absolutely there was great joy. You bring the truth of Jesus Christ into the lives of many people, you see marriages saved. You, you see brokenness healed. You see streetwalkers transformed. You see those who have stolen from companies reformed. You see people who have spoken nothing but lies and deceit in marriages come to the truth, admit it all, and develop a godly, godly relationship. This is what the name of Jesus does. And they preached and proclaimed in the name of Jesus, and people saw miraculous signs, and of course the city rejoiced. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if our 1,200 members here at Family of Christ proclaimed Jesus in everything that they did? If we told of the graciousness of our God and how He alone was bringing peace in our life after we've tried booze or drugs or porn or a number of other self-medications where ultimately we have peace with God, because He lives in us, the people would rejoice. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and had amazed all the people in Samaria. Well, of course. He boasted that he was someone great. <laughs> I'm sure he thought himself someone great. I'm sure he probably had the pedigree, the background, or the degree to prove it. He may possibly even have the bank account to prove it. You see, that's what the world calls success. That's what the world says is a great man, is someone with a great name and a big bank account. Somebody that's persevered. Reading this week that the uh, founder of Starbucks uh, persevered through two, three hundred banks before he finally got the first loan. Persevered? The guy was high on coffee beans the whole time. I mean, come on. 
He couldn't help but keep going from place to place. And the world says that's great. The world says that's success. And you'd think Christians would be immune to it, but we're not. And we fall into the same traps. And we go our own way and we do our own thing time and time again. The man, Simon, had divine power known as the great power that people thought. They followed him because he amazed them. And we're all amazed at successful stories. We're all amazed when somebody pulls themselves up. We're all amazed when somebody does something sacrificial and great or heroic. We're always amazed by those stories. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. (laughs) You see, that's what happens. You see, by the name of Jesus... Your life comes in contact with the, with the Almighty, with the divine, and with the holy. You've been living your life this way, as the world sees, and now God comes into this picture, and all of a sudden the worlds smack and collide together. All of a sudden, the way you've been talking has to change. The way you've been thinking has to change. The way you've been loving or forgiving or being in li- people's lives, it has to change. You see, these are people who heard the word of God proclaimed by Philip, and they were changed. They made the commitment. They changed their life. They died to self. You see, that's what happens in the holy waters of baptism. You, what makes up you, your conscience, your abilities, who you believe yourself to be, gets drowned. Because what you are doing is you're not just washing off the sin that so easily entangles. You're dying to self and you're saying, God, how do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? I'll die to everything that I think is normal and right and true if it's different from what you have for me. And this, the people heard. They were amazed at this other guy, Simon. Yeah, because he did wonderful things. But what was more amazing was when they heard the word of Philip, they repented They were humble, and they went to the holy waters of baptism and were saved. Now, many of you, I've been baptized. You you know, you've lived in this newness of life. Your life is being transformed. But for some reason, you still hold on to sin. For some reason, you still continue down a path that God does not want. For some reason, you choose to let your eyes wander and go where it shouldn't. But even Simon himself believed and was baptized. Do you realize that somebody that's far away from God sometimes has it easier than those who have been sitting in God's pews? 
That those who have been proclaiming another truth or having some other power, that when they are confronted with the word of Jesus Christ, that they are smacked upside the head, they immediately repent, and sometimes it's easier for them. But man, for Christians, we hold on. We hold on to those things that we hold sacred and dear. We hold on to those things that we go, ah, I want my tradition, and I want church the way I want it, and I want my day the way I want it, and I want my friends the way I want them, and man, I am not willing to die to self at all. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. <laughs> So the, so the ground forces have come in, and now we're going to send in the bunker busters, okay? The air force is coming in, we're going to drop it down, because all of a sudden, Samaria is ripe, <laughs> okay? Philip has gone in, others have gone in, and all of a sudden, here comes the full weight of James and John. They're preaching, they're proclaiming, and all over the place, people are doing what? They're hearing the Word of God, they're praying, laying hands on them, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and people are saved. Now, Old habits die hard with Simon, right, who we've been talking about, who was the man that had previous power, or so he thought, really thought something of himself. Verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, well, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Spirit. <laughs> I want to be great too. I'm reminded that Oftentimes there are Christians who are in the faith and yet they too believe, well, I don't have this gift or that gift and if I could just earn it, if I could pay for it, I'd somehow be greater. And the problem is a heart issue. It's right here. Peter answers, may your money perish with you. <laughs> Because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money, you have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right. That's a stinging indictment for us as Christians. Whether you're new to the faith or been here forever, you can have no part in the kingdom of God if your heart is not right. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. And maybe that's what today is about for you. Maybe today is a day where you go, you know what? You're exactly right. I have been living the false lie that I go through the motions, that I go to church. I know I was baptized when I was younger. I went through confirmation. I've gone through all the motions. But you know what? My heart isn't right. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south on the road to the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and on the way he met the Ethiopian eunuch, an important official of the queen of Ethiopia. Ethiopia is down here in northern Africa. He has to go around the Mediterranean to get up to Jerusalem to worship. This is a man of God. He has gone to the temple to worship. And yet, there are some things that haven't happened yet. He doesn't understand the Word of God, which, by the way, 
there's probably only a handful of copies. It's not like you just go to iTunes and download the book of Isaiah and read it in first century Palestine. You don't even go to the library in Alexandria and say, I'd like a copy yet. <laughs> this is an important guy. He has one of the few copies of the book of Isaiah. And he's been to worship. He's coming back home from worship, and he's reading the Word of God. Philip, who is prompted by the Holy Spirit, who is ready at the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go minister to this guy, he even says, hey, do you understand what's going on? And the guy goes, how can I understand it unless somebody teaches it to me? See, here's a believer who still doesn't know the full counsel of God. I mean, if I believed, well, hey, these people come to church at Family of Christ, and they've heard me preach once or twice, I bet they're good to go. <laughs> I'd be a fool. I study all week long. <laughs> I don't know it all. I have to figure it out. I read commentaries. I call other pastors up. What the heck does this mean? We're in this together. This is why Pastor Dyer and Family of Christ talk about life groups and doing life together. Because we know that in the assembly of worship, you don't get to ask questions. So, so get in a small group Bible study and ask questions there. And we trust that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you in the Word of God to answer those questions. And when you don't know, ask your small group leader. When they don't know, they'll come and ask me. And if I don't know, I'll ask somebody else. This is why we do life together, though. I don't know what it means unless somebody explains it. Eunuch was reading this passage. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And you, you know why Jesus, this is, he's the lamb. You, you know why he was silent? Because he trusts the shearer, his father. You see, when Jesus trusts the father, he trusts that whatever has been told for him to do, he is capable of doing and that God will be with him. Christians, do you understand this is the time? Do you understand this is the place? You can no longer say, God, I hear it, I know it, thank you for calling me heavenward. At my last breath, I know I'll be home, but until then, I'm just going to enjoy my life the way it is. No, you can't say that anymore. If, if today, above any day, you get a clear understanding that the Word of God is calling you to respond here is this eunuch who believes, who's just been in worship. He's confronted by the Word of God. Obviously, Philip tells him about everything that that passage of Scripture means, points to Jesus Christ. They even talk about baptism because then he says, as they traveled along the road in verse 36, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Why shouldn't you? Why shouldn't you be baptized here today? Why, why shouldn't you, you who probably been in worship, you know the Word of God, you know that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, you know that God the Father, the Creator of everything, you know the Holy Spirit who gives His good gifts is saying, come to the holy waters of baptism. You say, I've been to the holy waters of baptism. I am clothed in Christ. I am pure by, by the sight of God, His doing, Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. I have life. 
and yet there are things that need to die. There are things that need to be done. Hey, here's an altar. Well, why not gather around it and lift up holy hands of prayer? Why not kneel before it and say, God, forgive me for my sin? Why not a group of 10 or 12 of you come up today and, and put your hands together and say, we lift up prayers of intercession for our community? Or I've got a business, and you know what? The people in my company, they need to be prayed for by name, and I want to tell you their names. Here's an altar. This is, this is where we absolutely believe that God is not just present, but gives His gifts, and we receive, and we give back to Him. Or maybe here in a couple of minutes, I'm going to have you stand up and I'm going to have your head bowed. You need to come up for baptism, you come be baptized. There is no reason for you to not be baptized. You need to come up and pray with the saints, come and pray with the saints. There are prayer team members that will be up here at the front. And if you need to pray privately, a prayer of confession, then pray with them. You see, the Word of God today is without a doubt calling us to act. The Ethiopian was already a believer. He said, hey, I want to learn. As he learned, he then saw a place to put it into action. Here's water. I should be baptized. And so today, what is that drawing of the Holy Spirit? What is that thing that God is calling you to do? Is he calling you to intercede? Is he calling you to stand on behalf of the people around you? Is he calling you today to offer up an olive branch of peace and forgiveness in a broken relationship? Is He calling you today to put evil aside, to lay sin at the foot of the cross and say, God, clothe me again and again and again with Your grace and Your peace and Your mercy? We can no longer at Family Christ just sit, simply sit and listen and say, oh, that's nice. You are being called to act. And today, today is that day. I don't know whether or not you've thought of being baptized before. I don't know if it scares you. I don't know if it, if it freaks you out. I don't know if it's like, oh, I don't want to do that dumb thing. I'm telling you, that's the Spirit, not me talking. <laughs> The Spirit of God is saying, come. And I'm going to open it up for you to come and pray around the altar. Not because the prayer here is any more effective than the prayer there, but because you moving forward, you're following the prompting of the Spirit rather than being comfortable where you are. That today you acknowledge God is moving me to respond. You bow your heads. And please rise. Father God, why shouldn't we be baptized? Your word says that those who believe in Jesus Christ should repent and be baptized. That baptism is, is your means of grace and by which we are called your children, your sons and daughters of the living King. That Lord, by your holy waters of baptism, we are cleansed and made new. Father God, we also are, are thanking you. Thanking you for the altar where you say, come and offer up your petitions. 
your praises, your prayers of thanksgiving. Intercede on behalf of a family member who's lost and broken. Intercede on those who are hurting, who are homeless and who are lost. Pray prayers of protection for those who are on the move and moving about the country on a weekly basis. Father, we come before you this morning choosing to respond to your grace. Because, Father, we know that that is pleasing and honoring to you. And some of us, God, simply will have prayers of confession for the sin, the sin that so easily entangles, the sin that keeps us from responding, our pride, fear of rejection. Father, we know that here, here at your altar, we receive your grace. And by that grace, we are saved. Father, we know that the world will eventually kill us. It'll be cancer or old age or, or, or diabetes. It'll be something, but we know that this isn't our home, God, that you, heaven, is our home. And until then, help us respond in grace. Father, we come before your altar, the throne of grace, to receive your mercies which are new each and every day. Father, hear our prayer.